Okay, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you are just joining us right now for Bible study, what you might want to do is kind of pause it right now and read Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 16. This is what we did in class, and now we're going to talk about it. Or if you want to cheat, just keep on listening. But remember, guilt's a terrible thing to live with. <laughs> but uh, either way... Uh, Okay, so Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 16, we've read it. Is there anything that stands out to you? Is there anything, Drusy? For me, the fact that he starts with bringing up the name of a lady that has been a great help telling the, the church there to specifically what to do um, to her, how to treat her, that maybe sets of women were not really treated um, equally uh, as men because he's saying that you treat her in a manner worthy of the saints. And um, so I think maybe someone that might have been overlooked by the church otherwise, but he is giving them very specific um, directions on how to treat her, and um, also the fact that she was a servant, um, I don't know, what kind of servant, um, you know, okay. and I'm I don't know. Okay. Anybody else? No? A couple things. Uh, it seems like houses and households are mentioned a lot. And then another thing, uh, in verse 7 and in verse 11, he talks about relatives. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Um, him having to circumcise the Greek man because he was going to take him around Jews. Anything else? Well, the first thing I get out of it is it sounds like there's a lot of trouble in this household because all of a sudden he's introducing everybody to everybody like he's trying to pull somebody or trying to pull all these people back together for some reason. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure why if somebody has been mistreated or not treated or... But he, it sounds like he's trying to pull these people back together mm -hmm. with a formal introduction to like start all over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, this is kind of a, a good exercise to do with any passage of Scripture that sometimes, you know, in a setting like this, is you just have everybody read and what jumps out. Because, again, we are all going to look at it from a different perspective or there's something is going to jump out to one of us that might not jump out to somebody else. Okay? And... Um, Let me talk. Let's, let me start with the last one first. Bringing them peacefully together. Yeah, you know, Paul greets. He always in his letters he greets, and then he gives a final um, goodbye passage. But in Romans, it's more extensive. He's naming all these people, and 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 you obviously his desire is for unity. His desire is for people to come together. The church, because again, remember, what are the problems? The, pro the problems are Christianity is new, 
It's struggling in its environment. It's struggling with Judaism. It's struggling with Rome. It's got all these compelling things that are pulling it apart, right? So his job is to make sure everybody's on the same page, right? The idea of the circumcision thing there, yeah, you're you're a Christian living in a Jewish world, sort of, or coming out of a Jewish world where you might be judged uh, just because of, you know, where where you're coming from. And early on, uh, you know, the the practice was more, uh, okay, if we need to do the circumcision thing, we'll do that. It's not a mandatory whatever. But, you know, later on they, they abandoned that altogether. But in the beginning it was something that was not frowned upon. But it was something that, that you know, some would say, oh, well, I'm to make sure somebody's going to be accepted by everybody, you know, he was doing that. It was it had to, you know, be for a reason, ministry-wise reason. Then, then the next point going, working backwards, is houses and households. Yeah, because that's where the church was. It was in houses. It was in houses. They didn't build buildings. We couldn't have buildings for another 300 years. So it's houses and households and it's families uh, and relatives. It's not unlike if, if any one of us were to do a home Bible study, who would we, our family and our, our relatives, would bring them in and the, that becomes a church. That's the way churches started way back when. So remember for the first couple hundred years, this is the way churches developed. And so they still use this model today. That The idea of home Bible study is an excellent way to transition someone who's never gone to church to a larger church setting. You bring them into a, into a, a, a Bible study atmosphere in a home where it's a little different. And now the transition into a church proper isn't as big. And then um, for me... This is my point, and this is where I was going to go. Um, for me, Drusy kind of hit it on the on the head here a little bit. That when you read this, you don't realize it, but there's eight different women are mentioned. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you their names in a second. But to Drusy's point, that that this lady didn't seem to be treated right. It wasn't so much that she wasn't being treated right. It's that remember. They're coming out of Judaism where women were not part of the organization. In the temple, the men would go in and they would do the worship and they would do the sacrifice. And then there was, there was a court up on top of the temple. It was called the woman's court. And then there was another one for the Gentiles. Gentiles couldn't participate. Women couldn't participate, but they could look in on what was going on. So... For women now, and this becomes the marker of the New Testament and in the church, women are now brought in, in 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 roles of ministry that they never had before. So you had to tell some of these men, hey, treat her as you would treat anybody else, because this is, you know, again, Jesus' ministry, you find women following along, which which you didn't have. Prior to that, the woman would be excluded, you know. And so then, you know, in, in you know, the passage in, in Timothy where it says, you know, if you have any questions or whatever, you know, uh, ask your husband later. What it means is, is that they're new into the environment and don't ask your questions now, ask them later and he'll explain it to you. It doesn't mean 
you know what the other side of it is a man shouldn't be talking in service either you know so it's it's the flip side of that but for me in this passage it highlights the fact that Paul who's uh, kind of the architect in a sense of of the New Testament and he's the one who's 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 uh, you know authoritative he's the one who's writing most of these letters a third of these letters a uh, third of the New Testament uh, he's the one who makes a point to bring out all of these different ladies and I'm going to show you who they are um, verse 3 greet Persa and Achaia Persa is the, is the wife. It's a husband and wife. They were very prominent in the uh, early church. But notice what he says. My fellow workers in Christ. So this begins to answer a question about a woman's role in church. You know, can women hold certain positions? We know that the role, uh, you know, if, as a senior pastor over the thing is, is a male position. But what about all the other positions in your church, there's no, women are not excluded from those other other positions, but when you have the authoritative one to the head of, you know, the Paul makes it clear just as man is over woman in the, in the marriage. Meaning, the bottom line there is if there has to be a decision made, and the you know, they can't come to the man will make the decision, and so that's what he's talking about here. But he says, my fellow workers in Christ. Okay. By the way, a lot of these are Greek. Uh, a couple of them are, are are Hebrew names, but most of them are Greek names. And Greek names, you can't tell by the ending if it's male or female. So, but a couple of them you do, like chapter six. I mean, verse six. Greet Mary. Okay, we got that one. Okay, female. Verse seven. Greet Andronicus and Junius. Junius is a female. He says, my fellow kinsmen, my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles and who were in Christ before me. So in other words, they, they received this uh, um, Junius and her, and her husband received Christ early on in the ministry before Paul. And so uh, you know, he makes point of, of bringing this out. Then verse 12. Greet Tryphania and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord, and greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. All three of them are females. You know, I look at that and I think, you know, that's, especially those first two. Oh, those are guys. No, those, those are girls. Perseus, that's a girl's name, Greek. Uh, verse 15. Greet Philologus and Julia. We got that one, right? That's number seven. And then the last one is Nereus and his sister. Obviously, he doesn't know her name, but he says, greet her, his sister. So that's the eighth one. So right there, with all these that he's named, eight of them are females. They're all workers. They're all people that Paul holds in high esteem. So if Paul holds you in high esteem, that's pretty good, right? If you get Paul's recommendation, that's pretty good. Because, you know, Paul was the one who said, and I'm paraphrasing it, you know, he took Mark on, on a journey and said, you know, the next time, let, let's leave Mark at home. 
<laughs> you see, you know, let's leave him at home this time. I don't, I don't want to take him, you know, and uh, because he was younger and he was still learning, and you know, Paul probably didn't have a whole lot of patience for him. But uh, uh, so the point here for me is what stands out is 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 all the women there. And there's other women named in the New Testament, but right here you get eight of them. So uh, again, and I point this out because sometimes again when you're reading the Bible. It's written, it's, it's, it's Hebrew literature, and Hebrew literature is always written in the male form. So again, like I tell you, when it says sons of, it, it, it's really actually translated children of. But because it's in the male form, um, the male gender form of the, of the word, it's, the literal is son, but what it actually means is children of. And so sometimes you read that and you think, oh, wow, gosh, the blessing goes to the sons, it goes to this and, you know, and all that. And where are women and all this? No, you're there. It's just understand it from literary criticism that it is written in the male form, and which is a good jumping off point for this. This was actually the children's class uh, uh, um, Sunday. Lesson 15, the Bible is clear. Yeah. You know, the Bible is really clear. God's words are understandable. His message is believable. Uh, the Bible must be understood. It's our duty to understand. And there's a danger in misunderstanding the Bible. That, I mean, that's right there. That's solid. I mean, if, 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 if uh, uh, a child gets this, understands this and as they grow up with this they understand the authoritative nature of God's word and they don't veer from it it's just you know sometimes when we don't teach people these kind of things and, and break it down you know the Bible is clear it's understandable and we're going to get into the mystery of God in, in a little bit uh, you know it is understandable that's why I say it's not rocket science because there was no rockets when it was written so it can't be rocket science so don't turn it into rocket science keep it nice and easy Nice and simple. Right, Artie? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're in chapter 16 of Romans. Uh, so, the Bible's understandable. It's clear. And we were just talking about in Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 16, when you read through there, eight women are, are mentioned. And, and so the whole point is that women were accepted in ministry, women were workers in ministry, uh, and this is separates Christianity as a religious organization from Judaism. Judaism was strictly male orientated. Women did not have a role, did not have anything. It was stay at home, keep the house clean, and when I come back, make sure I have some food. You know, and so it was uh, um, um, very male dominated. So, uh, because again, all all the leaders were men. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like laws. Laws are written basically by who? Lawyers. Lawyers. And so, who's the law going to favor? <laughs> Lawyers. You know. So, to my lawyer friends out there, you know I love you. Okay. So, any thoughts, questions on that? That you know, women were accepted in, in their deaconess and. Roles like that and participating because sometimes people say, "Well, can women do this or can women teach?" Yes, women can teach. 
can women share? Can they do this and that? The role of senior pastor, that's reserved for a man. But, but all that other stuff in there, women can do can do that. So, Yes? You just said women can teach. But can women teach, say, a class that is mixed for men and women? Or is it better for women to teach women? That is why some groups will have just a men's class and they will have a woman's class. Uh, Anne Hutchinson. Hutchinson, as it sounds. Anne Hutchinson. I believe she lived in the late 1600s. I'd have to look it up. I'm just remembering it as, as, you, as you bring it up. Anne Hutchinson was the daughter of a pastor and she desired to teach the Bible. But there were no roles for a woman to actually teach the Bible back then. And um, so what she did was she would gather the women together and she would teach them. They would go over whatever the pastor's sermon was that Sunday. They would do it on a Wednesday. And so this is how Wednesday Bible study started. Ann Hutchinson. You can you can look her up, and and, and she she was very prominent in the in the early uh, forming of the country and and in in uh, Christianity because she was one of those that says, "No, I want to teach. I want to be able to share." But to answer your question, you know, it's it's it, yes and no. Depends on what it is. Sometimes I find it's easier in, for men. To be able to talk about stuff that affects men in a men's setting, it's easier for women to talk about things that affect women in a woman's setting. But the role of the pastor teaches both groups. So uh, if there came a time, it would be something I would have to really consider and work. I would not be opposed to it, but it would have to require on the circumstance what was being taught what was was going on for example in seminary uh, one of my favorite teachers was a female but what she taught was how to teach the bible she wasn't she wasn't really uh, um, theology whatever her thing was teaching the bible how do you teach the, the bible and, and uh, uh, let's see, who else did I have? I had um, Marianne Thompson, who's a well-known New Testament scholar. I had her for one New, New Testament class. There wasn't a problem there. Um, you know, so if they're at that level where they can do theology on, on that level, why not? And then to answer your question even further... I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. And seminaries, for the most part, over the years, were they did not offer degrees to women. They didn't do it. And then in the 60s, they started clamoring some of the women for, we want to go to seminary. And so they said, no, 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 you can't go. It's a men's thing, yada, yada. And then in the early 70s, out at Fuller, mm. They had some women that really challenged it, and they brought scripture. 
And so what Fuller did was they took the summer and they put together a team of, of uh, instructors and they looked at it to see if there was any theological, biblical reason that would exclude women from attending seminary. And what they came back was, no, they can. And so that began the process, and then it went to others, and I'm, I'm saying Fuller wasn't the only one. It was happening in other places at the same time. And so what happened was now it liberated, in a sense, women to now come in and get a theological degree. So those ladies that I mentioned, and there were some others, they were products of that. And so, you know, I learned from them just as well as I, I learned from a, a man. It wasn't a pastoral position, but it was a biblical nuts and bolts. So to answer your question, yeah. And so if I had somebody qualified to do it, why not? You know, I'm not... My mom was a woman. I don't have anything against women. You know? <laughs> you know, so. By the way, my mom was woman's lib before there was women's lib. So that's another story. Uh, good question. Any other any questions? On that? Okay. Verse 18. Uh, actually, verse 17. I'm sorry. Verse 17. Now, again, this is his closing statements. And so, you know, the closing statement... Uh, I said all these things to you, but here's my closing statement. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension, hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. Keep your eye on them. Who's them? The false teachers, right? And so, uh, uh, again, every epistle, every gospel speaks out against false teachers. Yeah. Would that include the Pharisees? Pharisees, anybody that would be bringing a, a false doctrine. Some of the Pharisees became Christians, like Nicodemus. You know, he became he became a Christian. Some of them stayed uh, Pharisees. Now, Pharisees were not... Pharisees was, were more of a political party than they were a strict unit of Judaism. They weren't for example, Sadducees. Sadducees were the ones who ran the temple. They were the priests. They did all that. Pharisees were just guys that uh, who wanted to study Bible, and they were. It was more like a uh, um, a club atmosphere in a sense. But they were very pious in the beginning. But by the time Jesus came around, they were just a political outfit. It was all about them. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be. You know, but, you know, some of them did come and become in Christianity early on. But, yeah, that's why Jesus was always confronting the Pharisees and calling them hypocrites. Because they were supposed to be studying Scripture. They should have known who Messiah was going to be. They should have been the ones that were helping the people understand who Jesus was. And so that's why he called them hypocrites and stuff like that. So, yeah, anyone in, but in this context here, it's now, it's the, it's the church. Because you could have Pharisees who now get saved and say, okay, guys, wait a minute. You know, I've been doing this a long time. You guys just did this, but I've been doing this a long time. So now I know, yeah. But if that teaching is not foundational, like he says in another passage, he says, if someone brings to you a gospel or a teaching that is not what we have taught, reject them. Right? You've got to be on the plumb line of God. So this is something that the church has suffered from over the years. Because 
we sometimes say amen to a whole lot of things that sometimes cannot be biblical. Or, or it's, it's scripture twisting, or it's user is taken out of context. You know, so you have to be very, very, very careful with it. And uh, that's why when uh, I first felt called to do this, I was already putting together Bible studies. I've already done a lot of teaching, a lot of different stuff. I was already, uh, I was becoming an, an associate pastor. But I realized if I was going to do this, I better make sure I know what I'm doing uh, to the best of my ability. So that's why I went to um, seminary. You know, I didn't need it to be called pastor. They were already calling me that, but I needed it to make sure I'm not one of these guys that's teaching something wrong. Because early on, I was teaching stuff wrong because I was teaching what I was hearing. And I was just regurgitating it. They gave it to me and I'd give it back. And then at one point the light went off and says, wait a minute, you're saying this, but scripture says this. You know, and so you have to do that. So that's what he's talking about. He says, you know, be careful who you who, who you let teach you and stuff like that. So thoughts, questions on that? So he says, keep your eye on them. You know, it doesn't mean kick them out. Keep your eye on them because sometimes, like a lot of us, we're learning and we're growing. And like in any trade, you make mistakes early on. But you can learn better, right? It's just like, for example, as a, as a veterinarian, there were probably some things early on that you saw, you know, and you had his textbook, textbook, but later on in, the, in your career, you would just look at it and you would automatically know how to proceed and handle it. And, and you know, I, I remember I had a veterinarian one time, I told him, I says, my dog's thrown up. And he says, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing because dogs get rid of stuff. And then all of a sudden he says, he didn't examine her, he did nothing. He says, I think I know what it is. And he goes, and I hear him, and he comes out and he gives her a shot. She never threw up again. But he he just had the intuition based on the breed and the, and the whatever, which comes from experience, which comes from making mistakes. <laughs> right? Einstein, you know, was it Edison? He learned um, 999 ways how to not make a light bulb. <laughs> Before he actually got the light bulb. So the 999 was not so much a problem as long as he kept moving moving forward. So it's the same thing with, 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 with scripture and Bible teaching. Um, you know, none of us are perfect, but we have a responsibility to be the best that we can be at any given time. And do what Paul says. Not that I've made it, not that I've attained it, but I press into this word. You know, I keep studying that's why I think I told you that when I do my outlines, you know, I've, I've taught Romans many times before, but I don't keep my notes. What I do is I go back to the outline and I'll do fresh notes because I don't want to just read what I did six years ago because I would like to think I've grown from six years ago. I'll see stuff now that I didn't see six years ago, you know. So, anyway. Verse 18. It says, for such men, those that are, you know, causing dissensions and hindrances, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but at their own appetites. And by their smooth, flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. 
you know, it's, 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 again, it's, it's, some people, some people, sometimes they want a title, they want a position, they want to be looked at, they, they like, they think the stage, you know, it's, it's a great thing, you know, and I think I told you before that, you know, that people say, okay, you know, I want to become a pastor, and yada, yada, and I'll tell them, okay, well, you know, take out the trash, greet people at the door, and they're like, no, 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 wait a minute, I want to, I want to be a pastor, and I say, yeah, but if you can't do this, you can't do that. You're gonna to have to learn this because we're servants, right? They they want they want what they think is a glorified position, and it's not a glorified position because we're held to a double standard, a higher standard for for what we teach. So you know, be careful about that. Um, so, for such men are slaves not of the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Wow. You know, some of it can be done just by repetition or products of, but at the end of the day, even there's something I'm teaching you, at the end of the day, you have the responsibility to look at it for yourself. And if there's something, a question or whatever, you don't think is right, to raise the question. Right? And and to look at it for yourself. Don't take it just because I said it. You know, take it because... You're agreeing with what the Bible is saying. And if you don't see the connection, ask the question. That's right. There's no bad questions because the questions just open up a whole new area. That's like when we were, you know, all four of you, when we read the first 16 verses, all four of you came from a different angle. Well, that was pretty cool. Now imagine if you had 10 people, you have the passage, 10 different angles. Or if they were similar, if there would be some differences in there and how they were looking at it. Because we looked at ladies not being treated right in the church, houses, household, uh, relatives in the church, the idea of, of being of the, the circumcision, and then bringing peace together. You know, uh, uh, you know, the uh, is a body of Christ, and this is all the things that Paul talks about in this whole this whole letter. All the stuff that you said, he talks about in this whole letter, right? So. Yes. Sorry, I was in Acts reading that. That's why I was like, what? Uh, when you were saying <laughs> I was in the wrong book. Very good. And so, um, but that was a huge problem because uh, Paul got in on, on, on in Peter's face about that. Because at one point, Paul agreed with it, with Timothy, but later on with Peter, he says, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So at one point, he was in agreement with it, but then later on, he says, you know, no, I don't think so. And it's shown in here. So you even see Paul's growth in all of this. So, yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts, questions? Okay. Verse 19 and 20. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He wants us to be wise. He wants us to understand uh, biblically. He wants us to understand theologically. And he wants us to know God. He wants us to know the role of the church. He wants us to know our position in the church. He wants us to come to a place of unity, a place of, 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 of agreement. He wants us to be able to not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. 
He wants us to understand that we are saved by grace and grace alone. We are saved by Scripture and Scripture alone. Uh, you know, and, and, and he wants to make sure that we understand the gospel and that we are preaching the gospel, that that is foundational um, to everything. And so uh, I like this little statement. So I want you to be wise in what is good, but innocent in what is evil. Right? Isn't that what we want for our children? So thoughts, questions there? Now here's the mystery element, verse 25. This thing here, he just says, grace, Jesus be with you. And he's talking to some, some fellow workers here. But I'll drop down to verse 25. It says, Now to him who was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. Amen. This is his closing sort of benediction here. But in verse 25 he says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. What's the mystery? Is it what was revealed to, to Paul? What is he saying? He says, And to him, capital H, deity, who was able to establish you. So in other words, God establishes us, right? How does he establish us? Through salvation, through his word. According to, now notice he says, my gospel. We'll take that one apart in a second. He says, my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation. So in other words, Paul's gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ is an is according, along with, to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. Christ, of who he was going to be, uh, his ministry, and how he was going to save us. Who Messiah was going to be yeah. in salvation. Yeah. Because again, since let there be light, God has been revealing himself, who he is, how he, how he operates, what he expects, what his standard is, and then, you know, dealing with humanity and humanity's failure to meet his standard. And then, you know, we get to the point, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. So that the mystery is now, okay, how can anyone be saved? Well, you can't unless you're saved through Jesus Christ. And you see, that's why we are now purveyors of the mystery, because we understand that mystery. We understand that it's salvation through Jesus Christ as opposed to somebody else says, well, God is love. There's many roads to God. God is this. God is that. Yeah, yeah that's all idolatry. Right? The mystery is salvation through Christ and Christ alone. We are saved by grace alone. We are saved by scripture alone. We are saved by Christ alone. We are saved by faith alone. And to God be the glory alone. That's a Reformation statement there. That's the mystery. Right there, yeah. Uh, somebody we watch, uh, 
mentioned, uh, I forget if it was a conversation between Socrates and Plato or the other way around. I think Socrates said that uh, he didn't, he said that, what, that maybe deities could forgive sin, but he doesn't see how. You know, so the, here's the mystery right there. Exactly. You know, it's, and that's part of the problem is that when you say it's by faith alone, and then there's a lot of people who do not understand faith alone because it's like, okay, maybe there's this concept because philosophy deals with what? Concepts. It's philosophies, how you want to live your life. There's different ways. So he's allowing for, okay, maybe there's this idea of a supreme being, but I don't really understand how that supreme being could grant this salvation that you're talking about. Only because they haven't studied this and placed their faith in this. They're doing it from here because that was the thing and and Paul preaches about it in the other epistles especially in Corinthians and Galatians and in uh, Ephesians about philosophy creeping into the church. And so the philosophy would be like that. Mm -hmm. That that kind of thought would now creep into the church Mm -hmm. and now people would begin to scratch their head and say, yeah, it's like those people that, that call themselves Christians, but they do not accept a triune God. Mm. Some preachers on TV do not believe in the Trinity. But yet, they say they're, they're Christians and people follow them, but they do not believe in the Trinity because it's, it's like, well, I don't understand it. Well, okay, partly the fact that you don't understand it screams for it being God. Because God is outside of our creative process. See, we're bound by creation. God's not bound by creation. And so the idea of three and one screams for God because we can't do it. We can't do it. Virgin birth. We can't do it. Walk on water. We can't do it. Put a bush on fire and it's not consumed. The voice comes out of it. We can't do it. Make a donkey talk. We can't do it. (laughs) Right? So just because someone doesn't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. Because, I mean, how many things that as we were growing up we did not understand and then once someone taught it to us, it's like, oh, now I get how it works. Like, you, you, you look at the stars and, and the moon and all that, and you think, wait a minute, how does this happen? And then when somebody starts teaching you about gravity and all that stuff, and you say, oh, okay, now I get it. Spinning objects and this stuff, and it pulls on one. And, you know, it's like, you know, they say, astrophysicists, they say, well, there's still other planets out there. They say, well, how do you know? They said, well, because Neptune's orbit wobbles when it gets to this, which means it's being pulled by another body. You know, it's like, who thinks of this kind of stuff, you know? They probably missed uh, Genesis 1. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God created, yeah. And, and, but, I mean, think about when God created everything, that we are still 
in the very elementary stages of understanding the universe. And how long have we been at it? And every time we understand something, and we think we got it down, then all of a sudden the physicists say, well, well we were wrong about that. There's something else now. <laughs> right? This is, I mean, just in my lifetime, there's been, I don't know how many times it, it changes. Oh, wait a minute. That can't be right because if this is now right, so that makes that wrong. But for the last 10 years, they said this was right. Now it's wrong. So, again, all this stuff screams for God, a creator, a divine being who is above and beyond anything that we can imagine. So then when you put that in the realm of salvation, you have to say, okay, yeah, I believe that. Because of, you know, it doesn't, you know, faith is... It's one thing for the early church to see the resurrected Jesus and say, well, I got I to gotta, I gotta touch the wound to make sure this is... Well, what about us? We're way past all that. And so we believe based on and the evidence of, right? So... That's a mystery. And the, and the mystery is it's just the gospel preached. Oh, what's this thing about Paul's gospel? Could it be that I mean, he's preaching the gospel of Christ, but now to the Gentiles? Partly, yeah. That's in there. You're, 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 yeah. What Paul received through direct revelation from God. Yeah, and in, in okay, now notice it's it's gospel with a small g, so it's not referring to deity. So what does gospel mean? What's Paul bringing? It's good news. So what is his letters? Good news. It's a description of the gospel. Yeah. And so I'm bringing you good news. And he says, because I'm now really, because he says there, let's see, read again, verse 25. Now to him was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. That's what we normally refer to as the gospel with a capital G. Okay. According to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret. Okay, which is now manifested by the scriptures, right, of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, and has been made to all nations leading to obedience of faith. Basically what he's saying is, I'm just bringing to you what God has said, what God has done, and this is the good news. You know, you know uh, as he says in another place, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the good news. Follow me as I follow Christ. Not fake news. Hmm? Not fake news. <laughs> not, not fake news. Yeah, no fake news. So, but, you know, thanks for saying that because the danger in Christianity is fake news. If you really think about it. Yeah. From children's lesson, the Bible's clear. God's words are understandable. The message is believable. Uh, you know, the Bible must be understood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's our duty to understand there's a danger in misunderstanding the Bible. This is what he's saying here. Keep your eye on them. There's a danger there. It's our duty. It's our responsibility to understand there's danger there. And so we have to protect ourselves by knowing 
what is wrong. And, you know, the message is believable. It is understandable. And uh, it's, but there's going to be those that want to pervert it. They want to change it. They want to twist it. They want to mold it so it works for them. Mm -hmm. It works for them. Now, let me say this. Satan, devil, is not opposed to religion. Let me say it again. Satan, the devil, is not opposed to religion. What is religion? When you worship something. Yes. When you follow something, when you religiously do. I can religiously wash my car. Every Saturday at 9 o'clock, I have to be there. I'm going to, that's religion. That is religion. Uh, anything that you follow that has a practice to it is a religion. So Satan is not opposed to religion because he loves to have false religions. Because what do false religions do? Take you away from Christ. He's not opposed to that. Now, we're talking about Christianity. Different subject. That's why when people say, well, I'm opposed to formal religion and yada, 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 and we have to make them understand. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm talking about what Christianity is. Religion is the organization. Anytime you have an organization, even if you have one church, it's going to be religious because it sets up a certain organization that it is run by. Right? But those practices should be in line with God's word, right? We don't mislead the people. We don't uh, um, say one thing and do the other. You know, we do our tax thing that we're supposed to do, we all, all, all of that stuff. We do everything that we're supposed to do because we're commanded to obey those laws and, and follow. And we're not, we're not supposed to cheat. We're not supposed to all, all that other stuff. So that organization, in a sense, can be religious. But when we're talking about salvation, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that I can do that can get me back in right standing with God on my own. But God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. If I'm willing to repent and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, based upon knowing that it's God's grace alone, God's mercy is extended to me which now is God's grace in action and that I believe in Scripture alone and I express faith alone in Christ alone that I am saved through Christ. That's Christianity. That's separate from religion. Right? So um, that's where religion gets a bad rap because when you say, well, I'm a Christian and then when somebody says, well, I don't like religious folk. When somebody says that to me, he says, I understand that too because there's a lot of religious folks I don't like either. But I'm not talking to you about religion. I'm talking about where you're going when you die. Where you're going when you die. That's what I'm talking about. So you bring them right, in, right into Christianity. Because, again, there's so many different religions, there's so many different things out there that get people's attention and, and pulls them away and, and uh, Christianity as a whole suffers because of it. 
you know. So Satan is not opposed to religion because religion is used to pull people away from Christ. True, you know. So thoughts, questions there? And then I just put the doctrine statements down there. There's a few things that that come up in Romans as a whole. You know, Jesus is the Son of God. Gifts come through Christ. Uh, we get to the Father through Christ. We worship the Creator, not the creation. The guilty will not go unpunished. In other words, Jesus Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. There's no partiality with God. And Christ again will judge us. And the uh, last thing I didn't put down there that we talked about was that the resurrection separates Christianity from all other forms of religion. Right? They don't have that. Um, um, so, and we have proof, we have evidence of the resurrection, the empty tomb. He taught for 40 days. Well, you know, I think I told you before that the, the early church, when you read the documents from the early church and the things that were being discussed, the things that were being discussed were not whether Jesus actually existed. That wasn't being discussed. That wasn't the issue. The issue was how do you baptize? Face forward, face down, running water. That was the issues. That's not, you know, that. What was the other issue? The other issue was um, Jews Jews uh, uh, demanding that you, be, you become circumcised before you become a Christian. That was one of the issues. Uh, you know, but the fact that did Jesus really happen? What did they do with the body? Or did they still that wasn't the issue in the early documents? That wasn't that was not the issue. Why? Because they had eyewitness proof of it. Couldn't do fake news back in that day because <laughs> you didn't have whoever it was to give you the fake news. You know, the thing was, this is what happened. And then think about just you know, Christianity grew out of that, and you know. Again, you know, an, an agnostic or, or an atheist, you know, you just ask them, okay, why does the whole world celebrate Easter and Christmas? Why were wars stopped because of it was Christmas Eve? Why, why did that happen? That happened more than once. You know, the next day they go back to shooting at each other. But something happened that changed the whole world forever. And so people are trying to deny that. And our job is to give them the truth and show them uh, this is our gospel, our good news, to show them, you know, this really happened. And here's why. This is why I believe. This is how I came to faith. And uh, so I'll hold it with that. Thoughts, questions on Romans? Yeah. Again, yeah. Um, I'm, I just wanted to go back to Hutchinson because you got me thinking when you, you were talking about her. And she had 11 kids. Hmm. Not only did she have 11 kids, she was a midwife. Well, yeah, if you have 11 she, kids, you know how to bring kids in the world, yeah? <laughs> Hold on, I got this. I got this. Trust me, I got this. Start her Bible study on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Well, she was born in England, and then she came over. Yeah, she came over. Yeah. To New York, actually Bronx. Yeah, she was. She was. She was a bit of a troublemaker. Yeah, she she was born yeah. in us uh, in fifteen ninety one, 
But she was a troublemaker because she wanted she wanted to teach, she wanted to be engaged more. And so what the church had done, the church had kind of left what Paul had said about women in the church and them working and stuff. They kind of went back to this male-orientated kind of thing again. And so, which didn't really get revived a whole lot. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, it started to kind of come back in our, our generation here. So now, uh, because the church in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, and going back 1800s, you didn't have a whole lot of women doing things, although they were prominent, but not as prominent as they are now. So, you know, but again, it all started with Christ. So, uh, again, Romans is a good thing to, um, hopefully, that now as you go back to Romans, uh, as you read it, you kind of refresh your mind to it, and uh, uh, so that whenever the passage is preached, you kind of get the context of what was going on, and and all this stuff. So, we're good. Next week, we will start Ezekiel. And um, Ezekiel is going to be a lot of fun. And the reason it's going to be a lot of fun is because when you read Ezekiel, you think Ezekiel is flat out crazy. You read it and you say, what in the heck is going on? Just to give you an idea. And I encourage you to read chapter 1, because we're going to talk next week about Ezekiel. I'm just going to give you just a little taste of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. And I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually, a bright light around it, and its midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Within it there were figures resembling four living beings, and this was their appearance. They had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings, and their legs were straight, and their feet were like a calf's hoof, and they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings on the four sides were human hands. As for the faces and the wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved. Each went straight forward. As for the form of their eyes, each had a face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right and the face of a bull on the left. And all four had the face of a... This is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, verse 15. Now as I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel on the earth besides the living beings, each of the four of them. The appearance of the wheel and their workmanship was like sparkling barrel. And all four of them had the same form, their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. Whenever they moved, they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. As for the rims, they were all lofty and awesome, and the rims of the four of them, all eyes all around, and wherever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them, and wherever the living beings, yeah, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> so read it. We'll talk about it, and a lot of it is, it's like revelation, it's imagery, it's, you understand it from manners and customs, it represents certain things, certain things represent other things, you have to know what those things represent, so we'll go through it and, and talk about it, and uh, I think we have a few weeks to do it, I won't be able to do line by line through all of it, but stuff like that, I'll do line by line, so we get that, some of the other stuff is more... Uh, he went and ministered to so-and-so and said this and said that. 
But there's some prophetic things in here about end time stuff that we can relate with to Revelation and Daniel and different things like that. So it's it's going to be fun, but we'll we'll walk through all of this. It might take us two weeks or so just to get through chapter one, but we'll do it. So if you know anybody that's curious about uh, Ezekiel, next week. So let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you again for this time, again for our revelation and understanding of the Epistle to the Romans, Lord. Father, continue to add to our understanding of books of the Bible and the Gospel, Lord, uh, that we uh, grow closer to you, a greater understanding, Lord, of who you are and what you ask of us and what you've given us, Lord, and how we are to prepare ourselves and how we are to move forward, Lord. And as we transition, Lord, to Ezekiel, Lord, in this sometimes what could be at first reading difficult passage, Lord, Make it as uh, simple in our hands, Lord, uh, that we rightly divide the word of truth, Lord, that you put this vision in here for a reason. So, Lord, you want us to know. You do not want us to be ignorant of it, but you want us to know. So, Father, I just thank you uh, again that you open our eyes and our to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to receive, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this time, and we just give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said. Amen. God bless. See you all next week and Sunday.